0: Blood Talk Radio.
1: Folk. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. You are here with a Metsian podcast and what a great episode we have for you. First of the new year. Uh, so we're we are happy to come together to talk Mets with uh, all of us uh, of a Metsian podcast. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my tandem uh, co-conspirators, as we sometimes say. Uh, let's start in Brooklyn, the closest currently in vicinity to me, as I am in Flatbush, and he is in Bensonhurst. What is going on, at Mr. Mike Cohen? What is up? Happy New Year to all. Happy New Year, and uh, we're going to go a little north, uh, I guess I guess, uh, northeast, if you will, to uh, uh, Connecticut, and uh, we got Rich Ferrago. Happy New Year, sir.
2: Happy New Year, Sam and Mike, and uh, to everyone out there. And it's um, it's 2020, a brand new baseball season. Is it's, you know we could see it there. It might be a bit in the distance, but it's starting to become more visible. And, and we're excited to talk baseball tonight. We are excited to
1: talk baseball, and uh, I will broadcast out there to everybody listening right now. Six four six seven eight seven one nine one nine is the phone number. We'd love for you to chime in on. All Metzian-related stuff. Uh, we, we're we're going to go right to Twitter with uh, some stuff. We we shouted out to to people and uh, try to get some questions in, and we we had some some things that uh, certainly came about. And I'd like to first kind of go uh, to to Metz Daddy, and and that'll actually tee up our second question uh, in in many ways, and and. Mets daddy tweeted out earlier today uh, and, and hopefully at some point, Mr. Mets daddy can give us a, a phone call tonight to elaborate on some of this, but pitchers and catchers report to the Mets one month from tomorrow, which uh, will be the 10th of January. And the team has not addressed the following needs. One starting center fielder, two backup catcher and uh, thir- uh, three, another bullpen arm. So with that, I will also go to Judy K, based at Baseball of Gods 16, uh, wants to know more about what would like to see the Mets do about the catching situation. So I will go over to Mr. Mike first uh, about this, and you can start with the catching situation. You can elaborate on some of those other stuff with Mets Daddy. What what, what is your take on all of this? What did the what do the Mets have to do before one month from tomorrow?
0: Well, they added Ali Sanchez to the 40-man roster, so I don't see what the problem is. Of course, I say that with Jess. Uh, you know, they're going to go into the season with Nito Ramos and Ali Sanchez is third in, or at least on the 40-man. Uh, you know, you really can't knock Wilson Ramos uh, for his offensive production, offensive production last season uh but you can certainly uh make a case against his uh defensive abilities uh, i i would just like to see him uh improve i don't know if he can you know it's a situation where his, his his knees are going so you know that agility and the ability to you know get your get your hands on get your hands and your mid on those balls outside of the zone in the dirt and etc. cetera, uh, you know, that concerns me. And I've always said it very, very plainly that I want a receiver. I want a superior receiver uh, for my backstop. Offense to me is a, is a non-issue when it comes to catching, especially with this rotation that we've tried uh, vigorously to put forth over these last couple of years. Uh, and, and because of injury, you know, it never really materialized. All five at one time, uh, you know, with this pitching, I, I sort of demanded uh, defensive superiority for my backstop, and we never quite got that, you know. Uh, and what do I mean by that? You know, the Jerry Grody type, if we're going to keep it in Metsian terms, uh, and you know, I would expect my 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 corner infielders and my and my outfielders. To supply enough offense you know to uh to mask any offensive deficiencies from the backstop that's my position. I want a superior backstop I want a superior receiver uh, and somebody who's going to work with my pitchers instead of just working for them.
1: Which do you think that the Wilson Ramos uh, case is overblown sometimes in terms of uh, uh, what he brings negatively to the table? Um, it, you know, it, it seemed as if there, there were a few things that were magnified about this team in the middle of it. And uh, Wilson Ramos seemed to respond in many ways to the criticism and also not let the adversity of the whole Noah Syndergaard thing get to him. Uh, and he continued to rake during that time. So what's your take on Wilson Ramos?
2: Well, you know, if you look at Ramos's numbers, you know, you see 14 home runs, 73 RBIs, a .288 batting average, and an OPS of .768. Now, those numbers aren't going to make you forget Mike Piazza or Johnny Bench. But on the on the other hand, it's much more production offensively than the Mets have gotten from the catching position for a couple of years. I mean, let's remember, you know, they had the likes of Rene Rivera back there as recently as 2016. Um, You know, it was obviously a a split job with Rivera getting some of the run. Um, So uh, offense out of catcher has not been something the Mets have had a lot of in the recent past. Now, and you add Ramos, and those numbers are quite respectable. So you have to look at the whole picture, though, you know, to Mike's point. What kind of a receiver is he? Well, Ramos is bad. You know, you don't, you don't hear, you don't often hear pitchers complaining about a catcher when it's, there's not something to it. You know, I don't think that was Noah being a, a bitch, as they say. You know, I think there is something to it. You know, Ramos doesn't frame pitches well. He certainly appears to be lazy on balls out of the zone and balls in the dirt. Um, his efficiency with throwing people out leaves a lot to be desired as well. So going back to those numbers, you know, 14 home runs, 288 average, 73 RBIs, those are solid, not great, but solid. If you match that up with a solid receiver, you'd have a good player, but it's not. You're matching up, you know, B, solid B offensive numbers with probably D catching. So Ramos isn't going anywhere, though. I think he they are committed to him as a starting catcher. And I think what Mets Daddy was saying is, what about backup catcher, right? Because I think he's—I know he's not a huge fan yes, of, of Ramos. They—they've resigned themselves. I think we resigned ourselves. The Mets have as well that Ramos will be the starter. So we're going to do backup wise. Well, you know, I don't have much of a problem with Nito. Nito is my Duffy Dyer. You know, he's a good receiver, like Mike was saying, good receiver. <laughs> uh, not going to hit a whole hell of a lot, right? But he's your quintessential backup catcher. Good receiver, not going to hit a lot, but the pitchers enjoy throwing to him. Here's the rub with it, though. The rub with it is, if you were happy with your starter and your, and your second catcher was playing one game a week and you know, starting one game a week, fine. We're not fully in love with our starter either, so now the backup catcher might get a little more action, and Nito is, while he's a solid backup, he's almost a part-time player, not really a backup, if you know what I mean, because of the situation with Ramos. So, and you're not getting much offensively out of him. So, long story short, they could use an upgrade there. Uh, for all the reasons I've said, I do, I do think they can use an upgrade. A lot of people say Luke Roy. You know, Luke is available, and he is. Um, would he want that job? Would he want a part-time role? Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. He fits the bill of being a veteran. Um, and I'd like to quickly touch on the two other points that, that Mets that he made. They haven't addressed center field. I agree with that. You know, Center field is probably the most, one of the most important positions on the field, if not the most. And what you're looking at right now is the platoon of Nimmo and Marisnyk, I would assume. You know, Nimmo would not really play against left-handed pitching. Marisnyk probably would. Who is Brandon Nimmo? Is he the 400-on-base guy, or is he the guy we saw last year? Hard to know. I mean, I like Brandon Nimmo a lot. But who is he? We don't have enough of a resume from him. And Mariznik, we kind of know who he is. He's a slightly better Juan Ligaris. So center field, to me, is not set in stone. If you want to be a competitive team, I do believe you need a good, solid, you need to be solid in center field. And I I think it's a question mark more than a solidified position. And then finally, to the bullpen arm, I agree with Metz-Daddy there as well. Um, They've got a lot of bodies out there, and that's fine. They're thin after the bodies they have, though. Like, they don't have a lot of depth in AAA. So when and if something goes wrong, somebody gets hurt, somebody's not performing, they're not terribly deep. i like to see them add another arm. Mike, you know, here's where,
1: here's my rub. Because I've spoken extensively on this podcast recently, especially, as a guest or not a guest, excuse me, but the guest phone number, if you will, <laughs> um, about how I'm at my most cynical of Metzian being, if you will. And that you know, coming off of the whole Cohen information, you know, I, I, I don't want them to do anything drastic like they tried to do with with the, the Robinson Cano kind of stuff and the Edwin Diaz trade and I just, everybody's talking about different pieces you can trade, like, like you know, you're talking about Brandon Nemo, uh, Marisnyk, not going after somebody like Starlin Marte um, via trade. And I just think that now all of a sudden, basically I think that it seems as if it was like last year was Jeff Wilpon and Brody Von Wagenen's like last attempt to do it their way. And I know Brody just had entered, but I'm talking about it from the Jeff Wilpon angle, really. And he wanted to make these risks. He wanted to take these risks uh, with these, with some of these players and some of these trades to move that money around, like we've discussed. So now it seems as if, because of the situation and the trans, you know, that that last hurrah didn't work. They didn't win the World Series. They didn't even make the playoffs, even though they had a, a commendable run. Um, now, at, you know, who knows exactly when it came up in terms of the Wilpon side of things? And I know I'm, like, going off of, on, a, on a real tangent, but I think it's really important. <laughs> With the Wilpon side of things, who knows exactly when the entire uh, – um, how am I – I'm spacing on the brother-in-law's name, but, but the whole family of Mets owners, um, when they decided they didn't want Jeff Wilpon – what was it? Sorry? Saw cats, cat, the brother. Saw cats, cats, So when the cat side of things were like, when everybody decided they didn't want Jeff Lopon to run this for the foreseeable future, and they wanted to cash out. Um, whenever that decision was made, like just like if you're looking at it from a human story type of perspective, with the types of moves made then and the types of moves not made now, you know, and, and I, I, I really. I, you just you think about it, you look at like they haven't addressed center field, they haven't addressed uh backup catcher, and they haven't addressed another bullpen arm. Now, all those things can be taken care of, but do we really want them to take care of it in in the the just the non the the hey, let's pretend like we're contending when we're just really trying to Grab headlines or, or what, however you interpret that. Um, Like what, you know, do do you just kind of like go with the Duffy Dyers and see what's what and keep this, you got to believe thing going? Or do you, for some, for, for some reason, even though you have no idea what's going on with the finances going forward and, and in the transition and, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. If you haven't heard Peep Squat, which is a, a funny, like, old olden-time curse I just came up with, but, <laughs> like, what, what, what do you think about everything I just said there, Mike? I know that's very loaded. Go in whatever direction you would like.
0: Well, I mean, I still find it odd that, you know, the announcement, the team was up for sale to Mr. Cohen, you know, and there's no follow-through, and that's what, that's what I find ponderous. I, I've never seen this negotiation go down. Okay, I'm going to sell you the team, but you have to wait five years. Uh, with regard as to business as usual, it's, in fact, just that, business as usual. The Ponds are exposed, and for fun on my blog, I, I like calling this the Saul B. Cat's Dilemma. You know, what does he do? Because he's just a stooge in this whole equation, if you ask me. Uh, you know, the Mets are exposed. Everyone knows their situation. Uh, this whole fraud transaction going down with Steve Cohen just exacerbates the matter. So business as usual. And, Sam, you know what I always say. You can't be disappointed with what you don't expect. Uh, and And in that regard, you know, I expect Jeffy to operate in this manner. You know, that canoe trade, uh, that was creative. That was uh I, I'm not saying I, I agree with it. I'm just saying that it was a bit creative. It was uh out of the box somewhat. Uh you know, in in order to uh get fresh faces Bertie had to figure something out and, and that was an effort, I'll give him that much. Uh, obviously, it hasn't worked out to our satisfaction just yet. Uh, but you know, uh, Jeffy's in charge, and and ownership is hurting financially. And you know, the the ruse that you know they want to spend less money more wisely is just not a ruse. Uh, we know what situation they're in. So whatever comes out of his mouth. Ie Jeffy, you know, I I pay no mind to him. I'm just waiting patiently for hopefully the sale of the Mets to uh, come to a fruition.
1: Rich, you know, I had I had something uh, specific in mind, but I kind of I kind of tailed off there uh, just because of some tweet, but. Um, I'll go back to some other things I was thinking about regarding going to you. Um, what is your take on, on, on all of that? You know, you're talking about what these things need to be done, but in the context of everything that I just mentioned, what is your
2: take? It's big unknown to me, Sam. Um, you know, I want to believe that from what I've heard, and, you know, tell me if you guys have heard differently, The vote and expected approval of Cohen could come as quickly as February, right? So, okay. So let's just say he's approved then and he's probably thinking he's going to be approved now. I have to assume that he's going to – who cares when on paper he officially takes control or all that nonsense. If he's paying the bills, he's infusing the money – he should have a pretty big say in what goes on. So I want to believe that the availability of his resources should be very quick, and that, that resource availability should be able to drive some things that they could do, such as adding a bullpen arm, such as maybe adding a veteran backup catcher, or if they have to spend some money to, to land a center fielder, you know, throw some money around somewhere, they can do that. So I want to believe that all that will happen, but the whole thing—the whole thing's an unknown. I I mean, we don't know. Is Saul? Is um, is Cohen exerting any influence now? Is he not? Um, Are the Mets playing this really close? You know, close to the vest, and saying, "Look, you know, we don't want you to really have a big influence until you're approved." And is he down with that, or? Is the whole thing behind the scenes that he's saying, look, it's going to be my team. I don't want to wait. We all know what we've heard. He hates to lose. He's pro- is he saying, I don't want to wait. Start doing what you have to do. I'm funding this thing. I'm good with it. You know, I'm okay with that plan. Which of those is happening? I don't know. Um, I want to believe it's the one where they're acting as if he already has you know, an ownership interest, uh, a larger ownership interest, and is already infusing capital. We haven't seen evidence of that, though. So I, I don't know what to think at this point, and I don't think anybody knows. Like I, I don't I don't think we know. I don't think the beat writers know exactly what's going on, exactly what level of influence he has now um, when the vote is coming up. These are all huge unknowns to me, and, and what I can tell you as, as a fan is that I want it to happen now. I mean, while there are still good players out there, while there are still people who can be bought to play on this team, selfishly I want to see this thing either officially go through and have him start exerting his influence or have him start exerting his influence now because, you know what, Jeff Cohen, I don't want to wait either. So that's what I'm hoping is happening, but I just don't know.
0: To that, I would add past practice. You know, how many years did Sandy Alderson sit hardly by watching the run of relievers take place only, you know, to pick up the leftovers – in late January or just before spring training. He had a
1: killing in the winter meetings of 2011. John Rauch, Frank Francisco, that was a killer winter meetings, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: But the point is, you know, Sandy Alderson did that year in, year out. And here we are with Brody, and they're following the same, you know, steps. They sit idly bar, let the runner relievers take place, and they're going to wait till the end of the month and see what's left over and bring them in. They've already signed I'll ask the you guys.
1: They signed the obligatory
0: clutch of minor league free agents and invited them, but otherwise, this is the same practice that we've been under. So I'll ask, I'll I'll ask, ask you this.
2: You.
1: I'll, I'll ask you this, uh, um, and and I want to go back to you first, Rich, because. Um, I'm, I'm remembering what I wanted to ask you. Um, I'll ask you this, number one, based off of what you said, if indeed that's why it's so quiet, it's darkest before the dawn, we're going to hear something in February, um, they're in wait and see mode till they possibly have some some money involved and with the whole five year thing, and this is what I was talking about earlier, why would you like like what kind of ego thing and what kind of control thing is going on uh to imply uh, with the will funds that they need to wait for two point six billion dollars or whatever it ends up being because of their debt um, to 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 have that money it it, it is and, and that's why you know going to the word Mike says,
2: ponderous and it goes right back to what i said earlier. Help uh, someone needs to help me understand what the hell is going on. You know, and to Mike's point, the only the only conclusion i can come to is the one i don't want to come to, which is Cohen's money's not available yet. There's something going on out there where, you know, people are watching the situation and saying, "Hold on, buddy, you know, we know the Mets don't have any money and you you're not approved yet. You're a 20% owner. You can't, you know, be throwing in all this whatever the hell." But if you look at the way they're operating now, as Mike said, the pattern is like it's been since 2011. Right, it's exactly the same. We're watching Will Smith, Will Harris. We're watching these relievers who could clearly help the Mets go to other teams while the Mets sit on their hands and, and will probably you know pick up the scraps, as Mike said. So as much as I want to believe that something – and I, I hold out hope – that something will start to change and we'll see Cohen's influence and his money. What other conclusion can you come to that somehow that's not the case? Whether Cohen's holding up, you know, saying I'm not going to do this until I'm officially approved, whether baseball's saying we know exactly how much money you have and this guy can't start exerting himself now um, until we approve him and we're watching it. I don't know what the reason could be. But the symptom that we see is that they're operating in the same manner, which would indicate they don't have his money and his influence available. Right. So it's frustrating. It, and the bottom line as a fan, it's probably more frustrating because the past few years, you know, the past, what, eight years, nine off seasons, we knew, we knew the Mets were shopping in the bargain basement. They're going to wait and pick up the scraps. We're going It's going to suck and we're going to deal with it. Okay. Well, now it's kind of like, well, you know, We don't just have some money coming. We have one of the most wealthy men in the entire planet who wants in on this thing. So now we've been teased. Now it's like, you know, you just ran a marathon, you're really thirsty, and somebody's holding a big old water, and you just can't reach it. Now it's even worse. You know what I mean? And, um, and and, And it's a bit more frustrating than usual because of the unknowns of it all.
0: Here's a little snippet from a Mike Lupica article on NewYorkMets.com. Mike Lupica asked Mets COO Jeff Wilpon to give him a question he'd very much like to see answered positively for his baseball team, and Jeff Wilpon said this, can Diaz, Familia, and Batances return to the elite levels that they have all performed at in the past? That was Jeff's answer. So, you know, Steady as she goes. Same operating procedure,
2: whether it be Sandy article?
0: or Brody. Say again. When was this article? Uh. Luke Luke Mike Yeah. yeah. Lupica? Lupica, yeah. Oh. Well, he's writing for Dang. MLB.com, and I guess uh, you know New York huh. picked up and uh, picked up on the story and, and, and posted it on their site as well. So, so um, Jeff well so,
1: so, so, like, because uh, at some point in uh, the conversation here, I was thinking to myself, when was the last time we've heard Jeff in public? And apparently, it was today.
0: Well, you know, uh, at least well, Mike Lupica heard him. We didn't hear him, and that's what <laughs> you know. And that's what really matters. I mean, he could talk to Lupica all he wants. It's the fans that are the ones who are paying to see their product. You understand? So. Sam, you know, that still holds true. We want to hear from him. We don't want to hear from him through an agent, quote unquote. So, you know, that's Jeffy's plan. He's banking on Diaz, a million and Yeah.
1: And in the meantime, look what And Alonzo hit 62
0: home runs. Yeah. And, and in the meantime, you know, the Braves were quick to pounce on available relievers, which was our major weakness of the 2019 season.
1: Now Rich, I will ask you this and I'm going to go in a positive direction real quick. Real quick. Readjusting. You are listening to a Metcan podcast with Sam, Rich, and Mike. Uh we are closing in on the eight thirty hour on the Eastern Seaboard. Uh Rich, um I, I will I will go to right to this. What do you think? Pete Alonso can do going forward. Do you think he has it in him to go to where no Mets has gone before and many major leaguers have not gone?
2: Sure, why not? But I also think he could regress. And um, you know, The fact of the matter is <laughs> he's not a secret anymore. And nor was he in the second half of the season. No, he had that big slump, that big home homerating slump right around the all-star break, right after the all-star break. was it the running contest. Who the hell knows? But I don't think it was. I think it was the league caught up to him and they adjusted. And to Pete's credit, toward the end of the season, he adjusted back. Well, that's the way it's going to be for hopefully the next, you know, 15 years of his career. It's going to be a matter of that. You know, pitchers adjusting to him, him adjusting back. Which way will it go? I think it go either way. There's no reason why Pete Alonso can't be a prolific, you know, average 45 to 50 home runs a season guy. There's no reason for that. He he certainly has the ability. He has he's just, he seems to be a smart enough hitter. He hits you know he hits them out the center and to center into right field, so he's not a pure pull hitter. So he's got a lot of the good signs, but also there's a chance that as a home run hitter with a big swing after a lot of video is studied and that kind of thing, that the league learns how to pitch to him, and he regresses. So to answer your question, Sam, I'm going to take the cop out, and I'm going to say it's 50-50 one way or the other. I I think it's a question of the work he'll put in, the work the league will put in to try to get him out, and to see which one prevails. Uh, I think it can go either way. I'm certainly hopeful, though.
1: Mike, you know, I went to that article I have not clicked this bait as the uh, notifications have come into my phone. Just because these have been the only headlines. It's like, oh, an MLB headline about the Mets. And it's just some clickbait. (laughs) But when looking at this, why not dream? I've been so cynical lately, and one of my favorite players, possibly has the most motivation a lot of people speculate he has, and that is the money that he could possibly make in showing the world he is the comeback player of the year, Mr. Yohannes Cespedes. Now, for some person who came over on a raft with a harrowing story, um, I very much vehemently hate people who try to paint a Cespedes as lazy. But people also said, said to me, don't you think? do you think people can change? Uh, but I also have brought up, more so behind the scenes, and, and, and I'll say it out loud right now, that I think there's a bit of a race thing, because nobody has really ever said that about David Wright, who also has worked his ass off coming back from an injury. I mean, the whole wild boar thing is definitely crazy, but, assess, but it has always been a wacky human. Um, and but just this whole lazy thing has always just really irked me because the guy did what he needed to to, to make his life better and make his family's life better. So um, I'll go go to you, Mike. You know, dream. <clears throat> the the impossible dream <laughs> well, well, on the I, medicine front about Yohannes well, I'll tell you a
0: story once upon a night I, I, I had a nightmare not a dream a nightmare I had an incident with three wild boars if not more back in Germany when I was in the army uh, there's a uh, a base there where we do maneuvers it's called real flicking and uh, it's in the middle of the night and you know you always have to have somebody up. It's called guard duty. All you veterans know what I'm talking about. So uh, here I am, you know, just pacing my rounds in the middle of the night while everyone's sleeping, and I see eyeballs in the distance, and I hear leaves being kicked around. And all of a sudden, I hear scampering and running, and those eyes look like they're coming towards me, and I shit my pants drop. And I climb the track vehicle so fast, and sure enough, when I looked down, there was three wild boars surrounding the track vehicle. And I just stood there. And, you know, I just sat there and waited it out until the sun came up. Uh, you know, I didn't want to shout out to the tent say, hey, guys, uh, uh, some assistance out here? I just waited it out. But there's my incident with wild boars. They are scary animals. They're big, and they will kill you. I don't know what the hell happened with Ioannis Cespedes. You know, that story got out of control, you know, operation on both his feet. I don't know man can he come back i i I don't know i don't know uh i I think that's uh I think that was a very uh astute observation by you that there could be a potential uh double standard when it comes to sexness and right uh I will not deny you that uh I've thought about it sometimes I just don't hear what i feel but i I believe there's something to that uh but what is he going to, you know, give the Mets this season? I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, your feet are everything. You've heard the saying, maybe you haven't. You know, what you need in life is a good pair of shoes, a good mattress, and good tires. You know, and right now his feet are, are let's just say, unserviceable for for baseball. Uh, will he get better? I, I don't know. This is so weird. When, when was the last time you heard something like this? You know, and then reports him falling off a horse. We find out he got, you know, spooked by a boar. He fell in a hole on his ranch in Florida. I mean, that that's some wacky stuff, man. Stuff that you don't normally hear. Uh, but he's a he's a flamboyant guy. You know, he shows up to spring training in his uh, in his uh, you know whoopies and I I want old things like that against him. This is just one of those freak things I think I hope, you know, but, uh, very uncommon. So I, I just don't know what to say about it. I, I, you know, I will never accuse anybody of being a malinger and I, I don't think baseball players are lazy. You know, I think, you know, just like us growing up, uh, playing games, uh, your mind may have not been into it, but you know, there was certainly no lack of effort, uh, I think everybody hustles to an extent. Obviously they're they're the exceptions. You know, uh baseball's funny. Uh we apply standards to baseball that we don't to other sports. So, uh, you know, when somebody doesn't hustle down to first, uh, we take huge exceptions to those types of things. Uh and I think it's just a baseball thing. I think it's just how we were raised and perhaps those sensibilities are being you know, eliminated from our from our uh, upbringings. You know, in, in newer generations, uh, perhaps we are indeed getting old, and we see things differently and unlike the newer generations. So I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. It's just very weird, this wild boar story. And you know, and we'll we'll always say, well, it can only happen to the Mets. It is a very Metsian thing. You know, think about it. Think about this team. With a healthy David Wright and a
1: healthy UNA Sosa, that would have been a scary lineup, you know. And, and right and, now, because and right now in 2020, because both technically could be playing.
0: You know, and to that, you know, we like to dump on Jeffy, but you know, just that. Think about this lineup with Sosa and a healthy David Wright in it. Uh, he, they cost up the money that, for them.
1: That apparently, that apparently goes back to Jeffy, considering the way these guys are taken care of, apparently is his fault. But hold on. Going to Rich with Johanna Cespedes. Um, I don't know what article. I can't seem to scoop it up really quickly. But I, it might have just been a tweet. But somebody said something like, uh, to the to the extent of, the Cespedes' ranch is a wild place. <laughs> I'm,
2: I forget where I saw it, but uh, go from there. <laughs> uh, you can't make this up. I mean, how, how – let's wind the clock back a little further. You know, the start of the 2018 season, right, and, and then he goes down. And then he disappears, Then he's getting better, and he makes his appearance at Yankee Stadium. But re- remember what happened when, when he was down with injury, what, what the talk was. The talk was, well, it's his knees, it's his quad, it's his, it's his calf, it's his heel maybe. I mean, first of all, how does that even happen? How, oh, this is truly only the Mets. How can, how can three different diagnoses be out there? And so then he finally comes back, Yankee Stadium, D.H., it's a home run in the game. I think he had a couple hits in the game. Mets win the game. And then after the game, they're like, well, Seth Fittis said he has heel problems and it's degenerative and it's only going to get worse. Mickey, what do you know about that? Oh, we don't, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know. And Mickey has to answer the questions, and which a manager should never have to do about a player's health, about a player's long-term health. And then it turns out, yeah, you know, it really is the heel. And it, what he said is true. It really is degenerative and it really probably does need surgery, and it's like, what? Where is this coming from, and why is it coming from the player? Why didn't anybody know about this months ago? So it starts with that. It starts with uh, uh, basically a cluster, you know what, of of misdiagnosed, maybe it was, bad information out there, the guy's rehabbing, they force him out there at Yankee Stadium, and then he's down for the rest of the season. Then this whole thing, he fell off a horse, he stepped in a hole. No, really, there was a, a wild boar and a tarp. And and he took, you know, went to take the tarp off, the boar charged at him, he got scared, he fell in a <laughs> hole or whatever. The hell. Um, and that's how it happened. I mean, how can you make sense of any of this? I mean, do we really know what happened? Was it a wild boar? Was it a horse? Was it a whatever? Um, I don't think we know the exact story. What we do know is that the Mets felt they had enough evidence against him to pursue the contractual relief. Cespedes probably felt, damn, they do have a lot of evidence against me, so I'm going to, you know, get what I can, get my $6 million as opposed to my 29, at least get something out of this. So Cespedes must have been convinced that the Mets had a pretty strong case. And I, So here's where I am with it, Sam, to answer your question. I really don't care anymore. I don't care what happened. If it was a wild boar, a python, a boa constrictor, I don't care what it is.
1: <laughs> I, I care about two things.
2: I really don't. Seriously, I don't. Um, I care about two things. Is this guy going to play? Right, and if so, how, how good is he going to be? Uh, and he's certainly he's saying the right things. And I'm not too proud to have him back on my team. That guy's a that guy's a stud when he's healthy. So if he could play. Great. I'm not counting on it, but if he could play, that's great. And the second thing, and this is something we've talked about on this podcast for years, they got, by my math, twenty-three million dollars of salary relief. Yeah. Where's it going? I haven't yeah. seen a reliever sign. No Have you? I mean, where? I haven't.
1: <laughs> um, right? Long, money I wish Page Six. I wish Page Six was following Jeff Jeffy around. Um. So. Like, (laughs) you know, Mike, I'll I'll go from Rich to you on this. I forgot about his his last Mets game. I forgot that that's how this all went down, that that was part of 2018, and that on Bad Heels, he proceeded to have an all-star game. So... I love you on Cespedes. I, this. I, don't, I, don't, I, know I know don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of it.
0: And you know what? I don't even remember that game. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. I wonder, but before I get that, you know, Rich threw through, out there how the Mets recouped real money from Cespedes. And And as far as evidence goes, you know, his agent, no protest from him. The players' union, no grievance from them. So whatever evidence the Mets had against Cespedes apparently seems to be very real because no protest over the money, none that we're aware of. Uh, That, you know, went very smoothly. You did this, we're recouping that. That's it. I, I heard no dispute. So there must be some very real evidence. And I would love for a golf, a golfer to call in because we know that Cespedes was such a habitual golfer he, he even said he golfed every day. I wonder, you know, now golfing is a, a standing game. Between playing golf every day and standing out in the outfield, I wonder if that contributed to uh, his uh, uh, lower body ailments that- because it seems like there were so many. So, I wonder. You're you're saying
1: that since he stayed, like, generally speaking, like, he should have been, you know, maybe having a good workout earlier on with his legs, but, but, like, he should have been kind of just, like, you know, taking it easy during – because he was waking up every morning, it seemed, to go golf.
0: And, and, you know, you're on your feet. And, you know, there's a lot of standing around in baseball. And, you know, that takes its toll. Standing takes its toll whole. Oh, blood pools in the bottom of your feet you know if you lock your knees you stand a chance of uh passing out for lack of blood flow uh you know so I wonder if being on his feet for let's call it I don't know 18 hours a day be it golf and a game I wonder if that had anything to do with it physically speak uh Again, you know, because where did I get that notion? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was the Smithsonian Channel, whatever, you know, they were doing a, a thing on the uh, the Buckingham Palace guards and how, you know, if you observe them, they rock ever so gently to maintain blood flow in their legs because they do, all of them at some point or another, same on the job. Because they're standing all day. And being in the military, you know, in parade, in formation, we were told, you know, try not to lock your knees for extended periods of time. It takes its toll on you. It takes its toll on your back. And, and yeah, it has a, a lot to do with blood flow. And, you know, it pools at your feet. So if blood pools at your feet, you know, did that anyway impair his heels, his ankles, his shins? Who knows? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I just wonder.
1: I I wonder though, whether he can hit a home run with the entire uh, uh, amount of blood that he has in his body in his leg, because he just seems <laughs> maybe, to be an absolute maybe. beast, which thank you so much for reminding me about how Johannes Cespedes, <laughs> like, He's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been playing, but, you know, since they wanted to play me, I was going to hit home run and have a double or two.
2: Yeah, I think he had, like, three RBIs in that game. Oh, yeah, and check what was out. worse was the way – that's when they had the three-headed monster as a GM, if you remember.
1: Oh. And,
2: and they <laughs> let poor Mickey have to answer the questions about, hey, that's what told us. It wasn't his cap. It wasn't his quad. It's his heels, and it's degenerative, and he may have to have surgery that'll keep him out for a year. And and then and you're his new manager. What do you think? <laughs> and Mickey's like, uh, well, um, I may have known about that. I may not. I mean, you know, he didn't know what to say. And and it was just, Ugh. it was piss poor on everybody's part. You know, Cespedes really shouldn't be going to the media with that. And the Mets really should not be throwing their manager under the bus, making him answer that question. Um, it was awful, Especially right? it was as a first-year manager
1: who's never managed in any league.
2: Right. right. It was terrible. And and then, then it goes from there. And he has a surgery, and, you know, maybe he'll come back in June, July, maybe August, who knows. But then, oops, you know, this whole thing happens on the ranch, and then we get the conflicting stories about it was a this, it was a that. I know sometimes I wonder, guys, you know, I'm sure every organization has stupid stuff that happens, and maybe because we live with this team, we think the Mets are the only team that has it. But I I would challenge anybody to come up with a story that wild. As the whole seth thing, starting with 2017, let's start with that, when they were forcing him to play, when he was clearly hurt. And every Mets fan, if you think about that game in April against – the hell was it again? They're playing the Braves, and he, he's supposed to be playing at half speed, you know, r- go for fly balls to the best of your ability. Don't worry if they drop all this nonsense about, you know, do what you can. Don't You don't have to hustle as hard on the bases. Just stay healthy. You're running a guy out there who's clearly compromised. What in the living hell is that in the first place? And then every fan in the world knew that he was going to get further hurt, and that's exactly what happened. It was, uh, I think, a Thursday afternoon, maybe a Wednesday afternoon game against the Braves at City Field, and exactly what we all thought was going to happen, happened. He hit a ball down the line. He was stretching it into a double, and he pulled up plane. And, and, and start with that, and then go through everything else we've been talking about. How freaking – how could anybody write this? I mean, seriously, you know?
1: No, it just, there's nobody who thinks this is the way we need to operate a baseball team. And I, I it's just like, I totally, 2018 was a rough year for me for sure. Uh, but, you know, 38 games? He played 38 games? So, like, I totally spaced on the fact that they had him for the first half of the season and that he was injured for a bit and then that one game. And, I'm trying to find, like, oh, games by position. Maybe this will help me. Uh, oh, no, 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 that won't help me. Um, <clears throat> like, I'm trying to find the last specific game that we're talking about. You said it was at Yankee Stadium, so I guess that's probably an easy game for me to find, come to think It was the
2: first game after the All-Star break, 2018, Yankee Stadium. He DH'd. He definitely hit a home run. I believe he had an RBI double as well.
1: And, and that was the last game he ever played in, for the Mets currently and in two thousand
2: eighteen. He looked fine during the game. You know, he didn't have to run real hard. I think he scored after the double, but it was like not a not a contested play. He D H'd. They won the game? After the game. They won the game. Mets won.
1: Oh, nothing. Okay.
2: Okay. After the game it's a guard pitch. That was when he had the hand, foot, and mouth disease. He came remember he came out in like the sixth inning, seventh inning, he looked fine and he was like, What the hell's he out of the game? And it's because he was getting the cocksacky thing. Um but yeah, so he looked fine during the game, then all of a sudden it's like, well, he said he has this heel thing and it, it just it just was the start of like the most bizarre set of circumstances.
0: It's all coming back to me now. Oh Rich. <laughs> You're right. I'm oh my God. The game now. I'm remembering the game now. You're absolutely right.
2: Yeah, you, you This was make at shit Yankee shit Stadium? Yeah, first game after the All-Star break, Friday night. Okay,
1: hold on. First game after the All-Star break. Got
2: it. Okay. 1-7
1: to 5, Friday night. Got right. it. Beautiful. Okay, so, Ioana Cespedes had uh, two hits in four at-bats in that game, scored two runs, had one RBI, uh, was batting two sixty two on the air, walked once as well. He had a home run. Um, hit a home run, and um, did not have a double, but obviously had a hit somewhere in there, so probably had a home run and a single. So, and it was, let's see, he scored twice, but not on that single to right field, and that was in the sixth inning. So, and then never played again. Or hopefully I mean, hey, you know Andy was throwing in some stuff guys uh is is uh Mike you can answer this is andy still in Brooklyn? say that again I said, is uh Andy Chavez still in Brooklyn
0: uh, I don't know i I don't know. They fired I don't know what his status is as of right now. I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, he was throwing uh, to Joanna Cespedes, and, you know, back in, uh, I guess, November or so. I don't think
0: Um, that video
1: was supposed to get out. I think that was a huge mistake on, on Chavez's part. Yeah, well, they haven't fired him. There's no, you know, news currently out Andy as my only coach. I know if I was, was the it? owner, you
0: know, I I wouldn't have wanted that out there.
1: No, but they haven't. They have not cut ties with Andy Shabas. Oh, no, they haven't. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah no. And so, know. so he was the. Uh, what what was his role in um, Brooklyn? He was a uh, a uh, uh, bench coach. And who has been hired as a yeah. the manager there?
0: He, man, he manned the first base side, but you know he was essentially a bench coach and uh, learning the ropes. Because he, he, has he, somebody been yeah.
1: hi, has somebody been hired as manager?
0: I Blanket don't believe Blanket. they replaced him yet. Oh wow. Okay. So hold on. But then again, yeah. then again, I'm somewhat out of the loop for the last month and a half or so, two months. I'll tell you. Uh, they,
1: they hired a guy Ed Blanket. Blankmeyer. They hired a St. John's guy. Yeah. That's right. Blank they line. did. Right. So according to I guess as of now, um, then uh, uh, Andy has not been. It has not been announced anything whether Andy will or will not be his bench coach. And this they this just happened three days ago. Um, speaking of. Recent Mets news. We definitely need to get to something that came out today in terms of non roster invitees, but this is just reminding me, considering there was some minor league Mets news in the hiring of um, Ed Blankmeyer, who, the legendary St. John's baseball coach, has agreed to a contract with the Mets as manager for the single A Brooklyn Cyclones. Does anybody, do any of you guys know anything about uh, uh, St. John's sports? Uh, I'm not,
0: well, I'm not going to pretend, you know, that I do. Uh, Occasionally I look at the standings, you know, because I follow LIU here in Brooklyn. So, you know, I'll go through some of the conferences and just see where they sit in the standings outside of that. No, I'm not a college guy. I don't follow that really.
1: Rich, I'm probably doing a bad job of of quoting any article (laughs) that I've mentioned here. But this is uh, New York Post Zach Grazilier. Um, mentions Ed Blankmeyer as the legendary St. John's baseball coach. So uh, apparently, you know, I don't know much about St. John's baseball, but, uh, you know, St. John's obviously is the number one college footing, I believe, in this area, Um, and they call him legendary.
2: Yeah, I don't know much about him either, but what I've read from people who do know about him, um, they say that even the most – Cynical people on the Mets say it's a very good hire. They say, you know, he's been around the game forever, you know, obviously good with young people, he's coaching on the college level, Um, very respectable guy, so I'm going with that because I know nothing else. So from what – Oh, he's 65 years old. Yeah, I I haven't read one person's comment that this was dumb, this was bad. Everybody's like, oh, my God, this guy's like an icon on the college level. I mean, it doesn't seem like. uh, Sorry,
1: sorry to cut you off real quick, but I I was going to say that it doesn't seem like he's going to be climbing the ladder. No. Interesting. Um, Do do, do, so. I neither of you know how. uh, do, Do either of you know how successful St. John's baseball has been? Before I look it up. Eh, average man.
0: That's all. That's all you re- you can really say.
1: Just average. Uh
0: the only thing I'll say is that, you know, well, things might change if if they fold up the the New York Penn League, but what what I will say is he's coming from St John's, he's coming from college and the majority of the players he deals with are either, you know, international free agent signings or college kids. You know, and sometimes right. you get those high school draftees. But uh, you know, uh that's what he knows best, and probably that level, Brooklyn, uh, short-season A-ball, is, is you know, tailor-made for him. So th- this is probably a, a great marriage, just because he's coming from, from college, and he's going to be dealing with the same, uh, you know, types of age ranges that he was at St. John's.
1: Obviously, yeah, you know, no, it but, sounds it you know, sounds like a good transition for both parties, really.
0: I have no real issues with what Brody's done in so far as restructuring the Mets minor leagues with his hires
1: and, and his
0: dismissals for that matter. Uh,
1: so, speaking of Brody Von Wagenen, uh certainly has his hand in these non uh, roster invitees, which also may. Uh, kind of follow-up in terms of some stuff we were talking about regarding um, reliever. Even though this is not necessarily the direction we'd like them to go, it could potentially provide, like it has in the past, uh, somebody very valuable for a pennant-contending ball team. Uh, According to Anthony DiComo, the Mets' spring non-roster invitees are the following. Left-handed pitchers David Pearson Kevin Smith. Right-handed pitchers Matt Blackham. Riley Gilliam, Steven Nagasek, Pedro Payano, Francisco Rios, and Adonis Uceta. Uh Catcher, Austin Bosart, Patrick Mazica, and David Rodriguez. And outfield, here we go, Tim Tebow, Ryan Cordell, John Jonas I don't know. I have to find that one out. Fargus, uh, do anybody, one, know how to pronounce that name, and two, know of these names? <laughs>
2: well, the um, Ryan Cordell I, I read about, they signed him from the White Sox. Um, he seems to be another Mariznick. you know, really good speed, good defense, can hit a little bit here and there. I believe last year he had a 50-ish games for the White Sox. So, look. Add a depth piece, no problem. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You add a depth piece, it's a major league experience, a defensive-minded center fielder. How can you have an issue with that? That's a depth piece. Um, the guy, Broussard, I believe is the catcher. I believe they got him for Jason Vargas from the Phillies. Uh, supposed to be a defense-first catcher. Um, I believe he has gone as far as double-A. I don't think he's ever played in triple-A. Um those are the only names that pop off the page to me as as, you know, something I've heard something about. Uh
1: and to, I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. I I opened the article because that was on Google and there was one more cut off on the Google uh uh page of it. Uh infielder Jake Hager. Mike, do you know anything about him?
0: Not even gonna pretend I do.
1: Do you know anybody, anything about anybody not named Tim Tebow?
0: <laughs> no, I, 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 I still can't believe he's still around.
2: And he was injured again. You know
0: what?
1: I mean, these,
0: these are all John Doe's to me. Pardon me for anybody listening who's named actually named John Doe. You know, this was my mild, <laughs> uh, this was my mild reference as to that clutch of minor leaguers you know, acquired over the winter thus far. Uh, to me, I mean, it, you're just looking for diamonds that are up. I'm not going to pretend like I've been scouting these guys because I haven't. You know, uh, I'm not even trying to look at them. I'll catch up with them in spring training, you know. Uh, too, well, uh, too many well, Rich,
2: uh,
1: what about David Peterson? I mean, I think we've seen him before. Uh, he He's a highly talented guy.
2: No, he is. I should have mentioned him. Uh, David Peterson is probably, if not their best pitching prospect, certainly among them. Obviously, you know, with the, with the trade of um, Semyon Richardson and uh, Anthony Kay, I think um, David Peterson clearly has bubbled up to the top of the depth chart, you know, in the minor league system. So it might be interesting to see him in some spring training games, see what he's got. Yeah, that should be fun.
1: David Peterson, uh do we think, Mike, I mean, I mean, I know you know something about the minor league, so I believe you, you are familiar with this name since he's come up, I believe, the last two to three years. Um, are, are we talking potential, I guess, with either even him or Kevin Smith, which is obviously, you know, Kevin Smith, Will Smith. We got, we got all, the, all the movie Smiths on baseball now. But um, David Peterson, you know, could either of these guys – Maybe be left-handed. You know the Loogie, the classic Loogie. If you have a heartbeat and you th- and you're a left-hander, you have value.
0: <laughs> that's always been the the status quo. Can they? Yeah, sure. But you know, in reality, they would have already been employed. You know, that's my approach to this. Well, I believe
1: David Peterson's a, a prospect, though.
0: Well, you know what I mean. I mean, we we would have heard. He would have fucking. Oh, look, you see, I'm aggravated. That <laughs> <one slipped. laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know David Peterson was getting in between us. That one slipped. I'm I'm here <laughs> stewing because, you know, we, we, this roll call of names. talking. And just the way things have been going, and and the same old, same old. I mean, I'm here stewing, man.
1: You know, I, I've been listen. i break. I've I've been on board it, it, for it nothing month. nothing against Riley Gilliam if you are listening which would be pretty impressive <laughs> Riley thank you but so is there ever I'm a gonna, more I'm, Metzian name for a spring roster invitee uh <laughs> than Riley Gilliam <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Although Adonis you said I bet you like all of a sudden, you know, we're watching some S&Y games, and we're like, yo, this is Donis Uceta, or however you might pronounce it. Um, and I, I think that, um, uh, Rich, you, you might be able to help me with this. David Peterson, does he profile as a starting pitcher, or are we talking that, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I'm I'm kind of spacing on whether he's already coming in as a reliever or whether he'd be one, you know, it would be a dream if all of a sudden he's the fifth starter who's, like, you know, the diamond in the rough that Aladdin just found. Or, wait, Aladdin was the diamond in the rough, but never mind. Um, did You know, like, like what are we talking here? What, what do we know about David Peterson as I look him up?
2: Projected as a starter. I mean, at least that's the Mets' hope for him. Who knows, you know, what he'll actually translate to on the major league level, but... Uh, the hope is that he would he would slot into the rotation at some point. I I don't believe he's ready now, and I'm not suggesting you said that. I, he's um, he's getting the non roster invite, probably to get a look against some major league talent. I don't believe he's pitched past double A. If he has got the trip gotten a triple A, it's been for a short time. Um, the the concept. Hey, for the yeah, two- and he had a bit. Just sorry to sorry to cut you off.
1: I got the numbers now. He had a bit of a. Uh, uh, you Know, uh, um, a setback last year in terms of ERA at least. I haven't in, in gone in depth with the numbers yet, but uh, he went from 316 and two with two teams in 2018, uh, both uh, full A and advanced full A, um, where he had a 316 ERA. Uh, although he the the one thing is that he he dominated in the uh, the Sally League with a 182 ERA, but definitely uh, ballooned a little bit to the 433, uh, and then kind of struggled struggled a little bit, obviously, with a 419 ERA in 2019, Rich.
2: Yeah, so, so he's somebody that, you know, look, let, let's face it, the cupboard is pretty bare, and he's the bright spot right now. But, again, with where he is in his development, it's hard to project him. I, I think they do project him as a starter, but – it's hard to say he'll actually get there and um, because he is a couple of years away. But you know what? On a Sunday afternoon in March when there's nothing else on, it'll be great to watch the game. Hopefully he gets in there. We can see what he has.
1: Yeah, maybe he'll get
2: six innings out of
1: it. You have been listening to a Metsian podcast, with Sam, Rich, and Mike, and we're so thankful that you have. Uh, we are going to segue, gentlemen, to our last word. Um. In our first podcast of 2020, uh, it, it's, it's been fantastic uh, to enter a year that I it, – it's still surreal to say out loud, uh, you know, that, that, that's just how I, I feel with the entire thing. Uh, but um, I, I will go around. Uh, thank you all for listening to us uh, tonight, uh, and we're so thankful that you do on an uh, almost weekly basis. So, Rich, when it comes to 2020 Mets, we can say that officially. We are closer to 2020 Mets than we are to the 2019 Mets. What is your last word for this first 2020 edition?
2: Action. I need to see some action, and I'll tell you why. Um, if you watched Hot Stove the other night, they asked Adam Fisher, who I really like know, uh, his experience in the front office, where the Mets project in division, he said third, and I think that might be right. Um, the fact is, gentlemen, the Braves won ninety six last ninety six games last year. The Nationals are, were the world champions, so the Mets have stiff competition. Both of those teams have not sat on their hands. The Mets have made some modest moves around the edges, but you know they're not a rebuilding team. They didn't have a you know a sixty five win season last year, so they're close enough, but with what they've done right now, I think Adam Fisher is right. I think they are the third-best team in the division. That's not going to get it done. They're not terribly far away. They just have to do a few things, and we've talked about those things, but they can't sit on their damn hands the rest of the way. The competition is stiff in this division. They've got a chance, but they've got to take some action, so I want to see some action. Thank you, Rich. Mike?
0: I'm obviously on hiatus <laughs> and I, and I mean that uh, I'm a seasonal guy and this is my time of year. I'm on break. I haven't blogged anything in over a month uh, since Thanksgiving, perhaps I plan on rejoining humanity, uh, in another week from now. Uh, so for the moment, the Mets are off my mind and that's probably a good thing. Cause I need a break from them sometimes, you know, uh, Going full bore at the 365, you know, that's tough. Uh, and, and you know, I'd recommend fans take a break as well. Uh, enjoy the other sports. Enjoy the other things going on. You know, I like winter baseball. That's kind of where my mind is at right now with the winter leagues. playoffs or uh, in uh, full swing. And the Caribbean series will start off beginning of February. Uh, So I'm happy to be not thinking that's right now Uh, because I entered this this evening's podcast in one frame of mind. I'm ending it in another. Uh, And I'm in a place where I don't want to be right now. You know, I'm aggravated with this team. Uh, Again, this is one of the most ponderous negotiations and transactions that I can ever recall. You know they're gonna sell this team, sell it. Uh, but for the moment, you know I, I'm trying not to harp on business as usual. I'm tired of it, and I I I, I know they listen. They know we hate them. What's the whole thing? Come on. So that's why I'm really not in the mood to entertain this name and that name. I'm on break. The end. Back to you, Sam.
1: thank you Mike and uh, I, I don't know whether I can end with anything else after that but my last word being Jeffy I say no more thank you for listening to a Messian podcast we are so thankful you do week after week welcome to 2020 what other way can we end this Rich
2: then go ahead. We might be mad at them, but we love them. And when we love them, there's only one thing we could say. Let's go Mets. Let's Let's go go
0: Mets. Mets.
1: I know because of the way Blanchard records that, that that will be completely off. Sorry, listeners. But that's the way this team sometimes is. Let's go Mets. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Good night. Have Get a good out night, both. thanks everyone <laughs>